Well, happy Labor Day to you. Zach paid extra for front row seats. Nobody else was willing to pay that much money. <laughs> We're continuing on in this study in Psalm 119. And um, today we are looking at Peh, which is a, a, a P. In, uh, in the Hebrew alphabet, but we are sequentially, this is where it gets, uh, I, I cheat a little bit because I skipped the letter Q. And uh, I thought that would be obvious, but uh, maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, we went from, we're, so we're going from P to R, and today R is for the word revelation. Now, here's the. Um, Interesting thing about Revelation, we didn't, we just finished this, we're finishing a study in Revelation that we've been doing on Wednesday nights, uh, and just when we get done, or even before we get done, Randy is starting a study in Revelation on Wednesday nights, so I didn't ask him about this, but I'm wondering if he is just simply trying to counter everything I've taught for the last three, four months, but uh, no, he's... He's taking a, a, there's a study uh, from the pastor at First Baptist in Dallas that he is going through on Wednesday nights, and it is really good. And so I hope that you will come and participate. It's here live and in person. Uh, we're still finishing up online this week. Uh, we've got a few more weeks, to, like three or four more weeks to go uh, before we finish. But uh, we are, we're almost done in Revelation on, uh, on our Wednesday night study, and then we'll do something different. Uh, but I got a little break for, take a break for a mission trip I've got at the end of this month and uh, uh, in the 1st of October, and then we'll start something different on, um, somebody asked me about doing the Gospel of John, and I think Brad is, Brad Melzer is actually teaching a study on the Gospel of John, so we've got, uh, so we've got all, all, all of us are on the same page, at least wanting to study different things. But when we think of Revelation, we think of we think of end times. We think of apocalyptic. We think of uh, how everything you know, tribulation, millennial kingdom. Uh, we have all these different images of Revelation. Jesus on a white horse coming, setting up the white throne of judgment, and so forth. And so we've been through all these different uh, thought processes of whatever the end of times is going to look. Think of the number of the beast. Think of uh, anyway, all types of different things that we talk about. Actually, pretty regularly. In fact, the world even knows a lot of the things that we teach that are in the book of Revelation because we're just so fascinated by end times prophecy. But actually, the word revelation is just simply an unveiling. It just simply simply means to reveal. And, and that's the way we're looking at the word today. It's just simply what God reveals to us, what he makes known to us. And the, and the truth is the entire Bible is revelation. That's what it all means. We believe that, I mean, there's really, if you think about it, uh, we either believe that we have to figure things out on our own, or it has to be revealed to us. And this is, this is something inherent in our, in our worldview and our whole philosophy of life and our whole understanding of who God is and how we are made. Because 
If you believe we have to figure things out on our own, then you have to start with the premise that people are inherently good. And things happen that make us bad. And so we want to go and find, and so we're trying to be who we, the good that we really are. Trying to find the things that are making us bad, remove those things so that we can be the good people that we want. So, so this idea, mindset that pervades our world is out there all the time trying to, this shows you how to raise your children, to show you how you think about education, uh, how, we, how we think about interacting with other people. It's this basic foundation the world believes that we are inherently good. And so everything the world is doing is trying to take away the bad. But that is not what God reveals about us. That's just an understanding that people came up with on their own. But what God reveals to us is that we are inherently bad. That we, that we are fallen people. That our minds, our hearts, our thinking, everything about us is depraved. And that is, and the reason why we believe that is we, because we believe God has revealed that truth to us. And so we embrace that, not because we came up with it on our own, but because God, from the outside looking in, shared that information with us through people under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit being not depraved, being holy and good, and in His righteousness, it's like it's like we are we we brought sin into the world, and now we're tainted. Now our minds are tainted, our our thinking is tainting, tainted. Everything we do is tainted, and so now we're so deceived by ourselves, by our own thinking. It's like how do we figure out what to do from this point forward? How do we figure out how to do anything? And it's like, well, someone from the outside who's not tainted by sin has to speak into our world and that's what God does and so he speaks into the world that's why the that's why the bible is such a lifeline for us that's why we we talk about bible study and why we are just going over and over and over how important the study of God's word is is because if we don't understand God's word then we don't have any understanding that can be trusted that can be trusted everything will lead us to a place of deception you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's such a – anybody who watches the news, who reads anything um, – I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a virus uh, that, that's been in our uh, world, a coronavirus. I don't know if you're – are you familiar with that? Uh, the, um, and I'm going to say I'm amazed at how – Every single human being on the entire planet has a point of view about the coronavirus. It's amazing. I mean, really, everybody has something. I mean, everybody on social media, everybody in politics, everybody not in politics, every religious order, everybody of every language, tribe, and tongue. We all, if there's one thing that has brought our planet to at least the same conversation, it would be COVID-19. And now throw in a Delta variant and whatever variants we have to go through. And, and the fact that we all know what that is, everybody. I mean, you can go to, you can go to a five-year-old and say, do you know what COVID is, coronavirus? Absolutely. They know what it is and can tell you about it and probably know the names of all the vaccinations. Whether we should be vaccinated, whether we should be vaccinated, whether we should wear a mask, whether we should wear a mask, whether should we go in there, should we wash our hands, should we not wash our hands, should we do this, should we go here, should we go there, should we travel, should we not travel? All these different things circulate in our conversation. And here's what I just want you to appreciate. We have no idea 
No idea who to trust in that conversation. None. You, you will pick somebody and you'll say, this is, I, heard, I heard this. And you say, well, who is that that, you're, that says that? And you're like, well, and say, well, I heard this. And, and, these are, and it's like, and so your people you're trusting versus the people I'm trusting are all not really trustworthy. And you don't really know where that information originated from. And it really has provided us with something that's very important for us to understand is that's true for everything we talk about. It's true for every discussion we ever have. It's like when somebody says, hey, this is, did you know this? And they tell you, give you information. It's like, well, what is that based on? What is the foundation of that understanding? When you came up with that idea, where did, you, where did you get your source information from? And so you have to go back and back and back. And, and what you find is that source information may or may not be right. And so it does. It puts us in this world of help. And philosophers always appreciate this because you have people like Nietzsche and so forth who would just say, well, everything's just tragic. It's not, it's not going to go anywhere. And so you have this existential idea that everything's bad. And so basically you just grab onto some superhuman, super person, the superman, and hope that they can work things out for you to have a good or decent life. And if we had to stop there, I mean, it's a want to me when people say this person's depressed or this person's down. I don't understand why. The only reason the world is, everybody in the world is not completely depressed is because they're delusional. They're not really thinking about the truth. But here's the thing. In the church... We should be different. The reason why we should smile when other people don't smile is because we have received a revelation. We have been told something that we didn't come up with our own. And our foundation of it, the source of that information is God. And so when you go back and say, well, God told me this. And it's not God told me in a dream in my closet or whatever. It was, no, God revealed this through 41 different authors and 66 books. And for 2,000 years, this information has been vetted by serious scholarship and people who have scrutinized every single word. Every single character is scrutinized in the Word of God to give us a message that is extremely important. Look in Psalm 119, verse 129, what the psalmist says. He says, Your decrees are wondrous, therefore I obey them. The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. I open my mouth and pant. Because I long for your commands. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your practice toward those who love your name. Make my steps steady through your promise. Don't let any sin dominate me. Redeem me from human oppression and I will keep your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. Pray with me. Father, I thank you, God. Lord, there's nothing special about us. Lord, except for the fact 
that you have revealed your word to us. Your special revelation. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. We are so grateful this morning for the understanding of who Jesus is. For the understanding of your plan of salvation. For, your, for the understanding that you are going to come again. That you are going to establish your kingdom. And Father, that we can have eternal life. That death has no power over us. Lord, these are things you have revealed to us. That we are not capable of understanding things apart from you, but you give us understanding. And Lord, we are eternally grateful. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Now give us understanding of this passage in in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things we're going to look at that God reveals. And the first is he reveals his word. And so just in these, just asking God, crying out to God. We talked about this, our need to call out to God and ask him to fulfill the promises he's made. And the first thing we need to ask God is to show me the word. Show me the word. I don't know if you remember, uh, well, you probably heard this expression from Jerry Maguire years ago, show me the money. Now that's, that's a much more often repeated phrase than show me the word. Uh, we, when we say show me the money, what we're saying is, is okay, I, I understand all that you're doing and talking about and so forth, but how's this going to benefit me? What do I have to get out of this? I want to know what's in it for me. And, and here's the reality. Whether you buy into Jesus and following Christ... The Word of God gives us the most sound financial wisdom, the most sound marital counseling, the best diet advice. It has everything that is good for living is in the Word of God, even if you never put your trust in Christ. And this has always been true. The people of God have always had a better standard of living when they are faithful to God than anybody else in the world. Because God brings a peace, a joy, a love that comes only through knowing Him and knowledge of Him. He blesses people. He blesses people who follow His Word. Because it's, it's His Word. It's, it's solid. It's true. And so just by simply obeying His Word, your life is better. It's like... If you just hang around, you know, we were, Kim and I spent a few days this week together on just a little mini vacation and uh, before she goes back to work. And, and it was such a great week. And I told her, I said, I really think that if it was just me, it, this wouldn't be anywhere near as good. But just by me being with you, because God seems to like you better than me and blesses you more than me. And so I, but I'm reaping the benefit just by being in your company. Things just work out for her. I mean, it's like waters part, you know, or traffic parts or whatever, whatever the case might be. But everything just happens, falls in line, and, and she's just blessed with, you know, free stuff. I've never met anybody like it. But I'm, it doesn't happen for me. It's not happening for me. It's just, I'm just getting to read. And that's the way it is when you actually are with people who are faithful. When you simply do what they do just by mimicking them, your life is better. Now, 
If you actually put your trust and faith in Christ, then now you receive eternal life with that. But the church has been given a word from God. And we should ask Him in every circumstance, God, what is it that you want me to know? And a child can ask for this. Look what he says in verse 129. He says, your decrees are wondrous. Your decrees are wondrous. Do you hear that? Just the things that God has said are amazing. I mean, it's just it's like the secrets to life. He says, therefore, I obey them. Well, duh, why would you not? Why would you put your trust anywhere else? Why would you look anywhere else for guidance in life than the word of God? People who follow God's word, their lives are blessed. And people on the outside, that's what really frustrates me. Because when I meet people and they're like, ha, yeah, we go to church, but everybody seems so miserable in church. Or they're trying to make my life oppressive or whatever. It's like, oh my goodness, don't, don't get the religion of people confused with the power of the word of God. Because when you are faithful to the word of God, your life will be better. Period. And your decrees are wondrous, therefore I obey. And then he says, the revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. To the inexperienced. Now, and that's why sometimes people refer to the Bible as, a, as an instruction manual. But it's infinitely more than just an instruction manual. But instructions are important, aren't they? I mean, without instructions, we don't really know what pieces go together and how to do things and so forth. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to figure it out. It's already been figured out for us. And that's what he's saying. The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. He's saying that even those people who are novices, even those people who have never done these things before, you can understand what God's saying without having to go through it. That's how that's how when people teach God's how people ask me, how can a single man teach married people about marriage? Or how can a man talk about child who's single teach about child rearing? It's like, well, he's because it's not his knowledge he's teaching. He's teaching what the word of God says. He's teaching the revelation of God. So anybody can do that. Anybody just reads it through the Understanding that the Holy Spirit gives us, the inexperience can now be knowledgeable. My father used to say the difference when we do income taxes. We used to, he used to have an income tax business, and I would help him. And when he died, I took it over for a little bit. But he, he gave me this just sound wisdom. He said, all you have to do is read the instructions. He said, that's really all this business is. It's people paying you to read the instructions and he says, you don't have to be super knowledgeable. And that's what I did. I read the instructions, and he was right. People would pay me just because I had read the instructions. The word of God, though, is available to everybody. And he says, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. When we really get an understanding that this, the word of God is this revelation for us, when we understand what God is saying, we know how to live our lives. And so it's kind of like uh, a thing I was 
these shows, there's so many shows where there's people who travel from the future and come back in time and so forth. And, and when they come back, it's like these people with this knowledge and information come into the present. And so people are like, uh, well, what lottery numbers do we play? And, and what horses do we bet on? That's, of course, that's really the only benefit of coming to the future is just gambling. Uh, but the, apparently, that's the way TV portrays it anyway. But the, but the idea is, is that I, I need to know more about what you know because you know all this stuff from the future. Well, just think about it. If God is in the future and knows everything uh, and, he, and he's created all things, then the information he has we should always want more of it. In every situation, it's like, what do you know about this? And what do you know about this? I mean, God out-Googles Google, right? I mean, He is the search engine before there were search engines. So we should seek to understand what God is saying. Seek to understand what God is saying in every arena of life. What do you want me to do in this situation? What what's to be done in this situation? Where do, how do we travel? How do we how do we vacation? How do we how do we deal with school? How do we deal with work? How do we deal with relationships? Is this a good purchase? A bad purchase? God, what are you saying in all of these things? And He has something to say in all of these things. It's just a matter of us seeking it out. But not only do we ask him to show us the word, we ask him to show me the way. Show me the way. I, I, I don't know if you're a Peter Frampton fan, but that is a Peter Frampton song that just pops in my head every time I say that phrase over. Every time, even when I was writing the notes. I don't know how many Peter Frampton people we have here today. But, but here are some lyrics from the song that he wrote because he was writing about a person drowning and, and, and this is what he said. He says, I wonder how you're feeling. There's ringing in my ears and no one to relate to except the sea. Who can I believe in? I'm kneeling on the floor. There has to be a force. Who do I phone? The stars are out and shining, but all I really want to know, oh, won't you show me the way? I want you to show me the way. And he was just going from life experience, just the idea that we all feel that we're drowning in whatever it is in life. We feel as though everything is out of control, that we have no ability to save ourselves. That's what a drowning person feels like. That they're dying and they have no way to save themselves and they need somebody to intervene, to throw them a life preserver, to reach a hand out, to jump in out, a lifeguard to jump in after them and so forth. This is absolutely where Jesus comes to people in life. Look what he says in verse 132. He says, turn to me and be gracious to me as is your practice toward those who love your name. Same exact thing. He said, I need you to turn to me, be gracious to me, as it's your practice toward those who love your name. Make my steps steady through your promise. Don't let any sin dominate me. Redeem me from human oppression, and I will keep your precepts. We all need to be rescued on a regular basis. Whether it's from sin that just creeps in, 
And we know that we're thinking things we shouldn't think or looking at things we shouldn't look at or hearing things we shouldn't be hearing, saying things we shouldn't be saying, doing things we shouldn't be doing. And there we are trying to figure out now that I'm in it how to get out of it. Or sometimes it just spirals, either it's one of our decisions or decisions of people we're connected to or just the circumstances of any situation. We get into a place where we're trying to figure out how do I get out of the place that I'm in. I don't, I'm no, I either know how I got here or I don't know how I got here, but I'm here and I don't want to be here. And we get in that situation and it's like, how do I get out of here? That has... If you think you're alone in that thought process, that is a place every human being gets in at some point or another. And we begin looking for a way out. Show me the way. And here's the thing. God is the one who knows the way out. Always. And here's a simple thing that you ask. Ask God for victory over sin. Now, you may say, well, I'm not really struggling with sin. No, I'm not just saying about your own personal sin. It could be your personal sin. It could be sin that you are committing, but it could be sins that other people are committing, or it could be the fact that you just live in a sinful world. But the fact that our lives get into a dark place, the fact that we feel isolated and that we feel like we're dying or drowning is always a result of sin. Like I said, either your sin, somebody else's sin, or just the sin of the world. The fact that we live in a sinful world. When hurricanes come, when disasters strike and so forth, when you see a tornado sweeping through an area or whatever, and you say, why did God send that tornado? Tornadoes and all these things are a result of sin. I'm pretty convinced that mosquitoes are a result of sin. That they're a fallen creature, demons from hell. There's nothing good. Mosquitoes, number, the number one, the single greatest source of death by animal is from mosquitoes. And nothing else is close. Lions are way back there. Shark, way, way, way back there. Spider bites, snakes, way, way down the list. Mosquitoes at the top. So, Show me the word. Show me the way. And the last thing we want to ask God here is show me your heart. Show me your heart. As I said, we have people all over the world who are hurting. You had a Hurricane Ida that strikes down Louisiana and then goes up to New Jersey or whatever and, and all types of people in between. And... Anytime you see storms come through and ravage places or whatever, you should begin to ask the question, how, how can we help those people? What can we do? And they have earthquakes that are happening and, and floods down in Waverly, Tennessee. Freakish amount of rain, 17 inches of rain that they got in 12 hours that raised the rivers up higher than they'd ever been before. Wiped out an entire community in Tennessee. All this stuff going on in Afghanistan and all the refugees pouring out of that country and people who need to be rescued out of that country. And, and that's still, I mean, we still have country, other countries that aren't in the news where there are many refugees and people trying to escape oppression and so forth. 
I mean, this mission trip that I have coming up next month, I remember David, David Plant took a trip in the same place and, and he used to be the president of the International Mission Board and, and, and wrote a book about the oppression that he feels and just that something has to change when you see the plight of humanity that you are dealing with. You know, I always encourage people, if you've never taken a mission trip, if you've never left this country, you don't have to leave the country. But you do have to go to places where you're uncomfortable going to see. It's just good for us to see every once in a while. Jesus went into places like that. It's good for us to go places to see how other people live. And you really can't even call it living in a lot of ways. And not just so you can walk away and go, wow, we are so blessed. Thank you, God, that I'm not like them. But don't just see, God, how can we help them? How can, I, we should walk away going, I can't be the same person I was before. I, I have to do something. And, and a lot of times we're impulsive about that. That's, we're, we're like that. You know, my, my son called me this week and he said, Dad, there's this guy who asked for help. And he said, I don't really know how to help him. This homeless guy. And I said, well, the way you help him is you share the gospel with him. And the way you share the gospel with him is you offer to cure his homelessness. And how do you cure homelessness? Through Jesus Christ. Because here's what my hope is. I hope that we should never, ever, ever have anybody in the church who is homeless. Ever. Ever. I hope that rings out. There should never be somebody in the church who's homeless. As long as somebody has an extra bed. Or we have any type of resources. We should take care of our family. And then, because that gives me a message, right? And go to any homeless person and say, you know what your real problem is? You need to be part of a church. You put your faith in Jesus Christ and follow Christ and then become part of his family. And we take care of each other. But we're not just going to throw money at somebody who doesn't really know what to do. But that's because I know that won't solve your problem. And the real solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ and following Christ. And in Christ and being part of his family, this is where salvation is worked out. I've shared that for years and I've never not believed it. When I meet somebody, if I can see somebody on the street holding a sign, if I stop and say, hey, what I need to give you, I can't throw it at you. I can't just yell it at you in one moment. You have to follow me. You have to imitate me. You have to go where I go. You have to do what I'm doing. That's what Paul said to the followers of the other church. That's what Jesus said to Paul and to all the other disciples. And that's our message to the world. Making disciples. Teaching people to follow Christ as we follow Christ. But friends, make no mistake. We need to be doing that. We need to be always conscious that the people that God is putting into our path, somebody may say yes to that. Absolutely, I will take you up on that. I'm... 
we offer help where we can offer help. Now, I'm just going to say this because I think it's obvious, but I learned something during Hurricane Katrina. When Hurricane Katrina happened, we said, we need to do something. So we, we were a very spontaneous church. So we got us, we had a bus. So we had people come and bring supplies, and we filled up our church bus with things. Now, this church bus isn't like it's, it was an old school bus, and we took the governor off that engine so we could drive it as fast as we wanted to drive it. So it was a about an 80 mile per hour school bus on an interstate kind of thing. And so, with no air conditioning. So, we're going to Louisiana with a busload of supplies and absolutely no idea where we're going or what we're doing. Now, I'm going to throw a little side note in here because this is a neat moment. This is the only time I've ever been on Oprah Winfrey. I know you guys have probably been on Oprah a lot, but I'm not a big Oprah fan, and it was just the irony of ironies that during this trip I would wind up on her show, but weird moment. But uh, we are going down to just hand out supplies to people and we get down there and we're just asking hey we're trying to get into new orleans and we just and people stop you and they're like who are you what are you about do you have a badge do you have something like, nope we're jesus people from kentucky and we're just here to give out supplies and they said well you can't go down this highway <laughs> so we had to turn around and they said so we're just asking where do you need who needs stuff and so we get a place in baton rouge so we go to baton rouge and we dump all our stuff and we go back home this is on labor day weekend and so we were uh, all had to be at work on Tuesday morning. And we got, I think, got back in town 4 a.m. on Tuesday morning. But we just drove to Louisiana and drove straight back. We learned, though. We learned. If we had gone through the training to be a part of disaster relief, that we would have gotten a badge and a hat that would have allowed us to go through that blockade and barrier because we would be people part of the solution not the problem we realize that when people just flood an area and try to get help through that it's just chaos and so they restrict those things and rightfully so but here's what we figured out ah we needed a plan to help these people we needed a plan to help them a strategy Verse 135 says, Make your face shine on your servant and teach me your statutes. Teach me how you do things, how you think. My eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. We are supposed to seek God. And his understanding, and part of the process was, let's as a church come up with a strategy to help people in accordance with God's word. And so churches together, if you're not familiar with us, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't think that's news to any to a lot of people. But, but within that, we created these agencies like Global Relief and the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board and, and all types of disaster relief programs and so forth. And we created it so we could have a strategy where we could help people intentionally so that we could convey the gospel and be trained and prepared and ready when these things happen. All because we want to show Jesus' compassion for the lost. 
And that's what we want to do. We want to share Jesus' compassion for the lost. We want to look and say, oh my goodness, these people need Jesus. And if you want to reinvent the wheel, go ahead. Just run out there and share Jesus. I'm never, I never want to hold somebody back from just wanting to run down there, run to the place where the flood is, or run to somebody and start clean up or bring supplies or whatever. I don't ever want to hinder people from having the same experience that I had because I did that. We just go. But what we learned from that is we just take a moment and prepare and get ourselves really familiar with God's Word. And understand the heart of Christ in those areas and praying through that. Now we're more like that church in Antioch that's seeking guidance of the Holy Spirit, seeking God to show them, this. here's what we need to do. And then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, now here's how we go from here. And, and that church in Antioch pulled out Paul and Barnabas and said, let's lay hands on these men and let's send them out to the churches to take the gospel out to the churches. And that's what they did. And the church spread all over the world. And the letters that Paul wrote to those churches, they're part of our Bible now. But it all started with God's people coming together, hungry for His instruction, and with a burden for the lost. A heart for Christ. How do we share Jesus' compassion? Well, we share Jesus' compassion by doing what he, by loving other people as He has loved us. And understanding that God had a plan, has a strategy. God's a God of order. Think. He knows how to do things. And so if we seek his face, he'll give us order. I mean, the concepts of global relief, of disaster relief, of all these things, these things were born out of people praying together, seeking God's face and direction, and putting it together in a way to accomplish the greatest glory. For God. And so when we participate in those things, we're just we're just being a part of the body of Christ. We're much better, more effective at feeding our communities, at at taking care of the homeless, at making sure people are clothed when we all work together as the body of Christ partnering together with other churches, partnering together with other believers, looking at a greater picture. That's why we created the cooperative program, so we're all contributing, not just money, but all resources, people resources, so we can go. Here's the invitation today. Ask God to reveal what He wants you to do and commit to Him to do it. In Isaiah, he says, if you are willing and obedient, that he will give us the fruit of the land. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? And then will you commit to do it? I mean, what good is it to say, God, show me the way, if you're not going to walk that way? If we don't want to know his heart, if we don't want to have his heart, you know, then why do we say we're following Jesus? If we are following Jesus, we want to have his heart. We want to go his way. We want to know his word. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, for how good you are and the grace that you show us each and every day.
Father, this morning, Lord, give us your heart. Lord, we've heard your word. Lord, we know that you are the way, Jesus. Lord, we want your heart. Lord, and, and if there's anyone here today who does not have the heart of Christ, Father, I pray that they would realize that that's, that's what the gospel is, Lord. We put our faith in Jesus, and, he, and you give us the heart of Christ. It's not something we can get on our own. It's something that has to be given to us. It's a, a gift of grace. And, Lord, it is the gift of eternal life. It is the gift of salvation. It is what being saved means. That I no longer have my corrupt heart, but I have a new heart in Christ. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't have the heart of Christ, I pray that they would come today and receive that. It is received through faith by just putting our faith in Jesus. Trusting that your blood was shed for our salvation, that, that our sins are forgiven. doesn't matter what we've done in the past. doesn't matter who we used to be. Lord, you will make us a new creation. But Lord, for those of us who have already put our trust in you, Lord, would you just show us that, show us what you would have us to do now? Lord, I pray that we are currently following you. I pray that we are currently being obedient to you. I pray that we are right now looking at how we can fulfill your word, whether we need to go uh, to Louisiana or where or somewhere other in the world. But Lord. May we realize we need you to reveal to us what it is we need to do. So Lord, we ask you to reveal what it is you want us to do. And may we be obedient to do it. But we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me as we have this time of invitation. Just want to invite you to come. If God is saying to you, I want you to do something. I have something I want you to do. I'm just saying, would you tell them you'll do it? Maybe you need to come up front. Maybe you need to tell the church. Maybe you need to bow here and at the altar and make that commitment public or, or just have a moment with him. You can do it where you are. But take a moment. Take a moment. Make that commitment to say, yes, Lord. I will be obedient to what it is you are asking me to do. As we say.